Welcome to episode 74 of The Numbers Game. I'm Jace, and as always, I'm here with Nick and Marty. How are we going today, fellas? I'm going well, thanks, Jace. It's uh, early November when we're recording here, and Charlie has instructed that the Christmas tree needs to go up. And I figure a lot of Christmas stuff in the shops already. Eight weeks of joy. Uh, so <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. So, yeah, I'm well. Nick, how are you going, my friend? I'm going well, thank you, apart from the fact that We've all got jackets on and it's there's an Arctic blast shooting through Melbourne early November, so it's it's quite strange. I think it was eight degrees when I got in the car this morning and it's yeah, it's a second November today, so strange times we live in. Global warming, it's here. But uh, it's actually the opposite. It's cooling, but I know it's all the same thing. So going okay, mate. Just a bit um, just a bit bewildered by this weather. But Anyway, it's all good. Yep, I'm about the same, mate. I was in the car at 5.30 and it was 6.5 degrees at 5.30 a.m. And I was just uh, mulling over the uh, cup day losses or the whole weekend worth of losses uh, that, that I'd accumulated. Wasn't wasn't quite the best uh, weekend for myself, but that's okay. We bounced back. We've got the numbers game to talk about some, some wins and some things that we can do well. So uh, let's uh, crack into it today, guys. Just got to work a bit harder this week, don't we? So, yeah, looking forward. I think it was actually, there was snow at Hotham. So that's unbelievable. For Unreal. Uh, Stop it. November. Yeah, not a lot, but yeah, for this time of year. So burn your shorts, burn your short sleeve uh, T-shirts. Uh, it's a new climate. <laughs> what are we talking about today, Jace? Well, today, guys, I'm going to lead straight into it and crack in for you guys. I wanted to bring up some of the recent news. We've got a reading the play today. Um and it's all about cybersecurity. Now, there's heaps in the news. I wouldn't have known which article to start with and end with um, in relation to, in case you've been living under a rock, uh, Optus hack and now the Medibank hack or cyber breach or depending on how you want to word it. So just opening it up to you guys, do you know much about it? Have you heard much? Would you like me to delve into a little bit of uh, a snapshot of how it happened and what happened? I've, I know the headlines, but that's probably about it, mate. So yeah, please do us a favor and fill us in. Beautiful. I won't go into too much detail because, I mean, some of this cybersecurity tech stuff is uh, even a bit above my nerdy head. I'd need to bring Brammer in for a special episode since he's the bit, he's the tech guy at our office. But I'll start with the Optus hack. Um, that's the one that happened before the more recent Medibank hack. So basically the Optus hack, I don't even know if you could call it a hack because apparently it's more like they just left a window open. So it's like, you know, did your house really get broken into if the front door was open? Probably not. So they're describing the Optus hack as they left the window open for hackers to get in. It's possibly the biggest cyber attack or breach in Australian history with nearly 11.2 million users' accounts details, phone numbers, passports, driver's licenses, all this stuff accessed and taken, which is just, when you think about the sheer scale of that many people's details left open for someone in the world to just jump onto and grab and download. Now, how did it happen? Um, It was through what's called an API, which is basically, it's a bit of technology that connects two different pieces of software together, and it's just a gateway um, it's kind of like how zero you might add another piece of technology like a receipt bank or, or HubDoc. Um, they work through a, through an API. So Optus had an API. It was left open. Some hacker got in there and he was asking for a mere, measly one million US dollars to delete the data, and he ended up getting cold feet and backing out. But not before some of that data was leaked and accessed by other people on the internet. So what now? If you were one of these Optus customers, basically Optus just contacted everyone and said, "Hey." All the best. You're on your own. Be be vigilant. Look out for things that don't look real. 
um, your data's out there and there's nothing we can do about it. But then the governments have gone and said, look, we'll, we'll help fund getting some new driver's license and new passport numbers. Um, and you just need to monitor your accounts. That's basically Optus's email out to the world was you've your data's been breached and just be on the lookout. So that's the Optus one, 11.2 million people. You guys weren't former Optus customers at all, were you? No. Or current? No, fortunately. Yeah, I don't know many Optus customers. I don't know where they got these 11 million customers from, but anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. So <laughs> the other one uh, that I wanted to highlight as well was the Medibank hack. Now, this one for me probably feels a little bit more sinister and a bit more... Yeah, it just leaves me a bit uneasy. So... Effectively, this one was using somebody's credentials to to access the system. Now that the credentials were compromised, now this is something that could happen to any business, which is what we're going to expand into. But effectively, these compromised credentials allowed a hacker to get into Medibank's system, and they were able to access the intimate medical records, along with all of the other records, of 700,000 users. And they have found it being sold on a Russian-language cyber criminal forum. So you can imagine your deepest kind of, you know, secretive medical things where you sit with a doctor and they punch into a computer your your medical records and you think it's between you and the doctor. That's now on the World Wide Web for somebody else to access and do something with. Um, so Cybersecurity Minister Claire O'Neill came out and warned of a new world where we are under relentless cyber attack all the time. So on the 13th of October, Medibank informed the ASX that they were negotiating over 200 gigabytes of customer data that was stolen, including medical procedures, diagnosis, credit card information, along with TF, um, you know, date of birth, phone numbers, all the rest of it. So I don't know about you guys, but if that was my private information that was taken was on the web, I would feel I feel I feel pretty gross for those people out there that have that that accessed. So just on the Medibank stuff, it's interesting you you bring this up because I'm a Medibank client, but I haven't heard anything from Medibank about this. Um, do you know if it, I'm assuming if, if I was impacted, I would have heard or is it you've got to put your hand, because you said only 700,000, I, I can't I can only imagine they've got more, far more clients than that. Um, that Unless it's because it's still under investigation. So as far as I can see what I've researched this morning, Medibank's come out and said they're still investigating what has happened and they don't even know if it was accessed through a fake or compromised user credentials. That's what they're assuming at the moment. So, I mean, I think there's still a fair bit to unravel from the Medibank thing. I think because they're ASX listed, they had to kind of just throw something out there just just to cover themselves. Um, But I'd imagine... I'd imagine there should be something sent to all Medibank users just as a generic, hey, this is what happened. This is what we're doing to resolve it. I mean, as ASX listed, if you're a shareholder right now, I haven't checked what the shares are doing. I might have a look as we delve into a little bit more. But, geez, you'd have to be, I don't know, you'd you'd have to be a little bit worried, I mean, that, that this kind of stuff is being accessed. And I guess that brings us to... At a at an individual level or a small business owner level, what are the things that we need to look out for and do to protect our data and protect our clients' data? Um, you guys had any experiences with yourselves? Well, first of all, well, thoughts first, on Optus and Medibank. Personally, I'm an AHM uh, client, which I think Medibank that's, owns. That's the one them. that was accessed. So yeah, AHM was I, the main main data. I taken. am getting uh, correspondence to say the data has been breached, there and we're go. looking into it and 
you know, and I got it's it's a weird feeling because I got an operation coming up on the twenty second of November, just for our Russian listeners. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, I don't want to come out with uh, you know a bicep reattachment when I need a new hip. I don't know what's going to be going on there, but it certainly is disconcerting. So I'm watching it like a hawk personally because. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm just really waiting on their instruction. But just even changing my passwords and and whether that's a good idea, you know. Sometimes when you you know you're renewing passwords, someone can get in and do something there. So all this doubt is uh, creeping in. So I think, like you said, there just needs to be clear instruction rather than just a general uh, general communication. That's how I feel anyway as a customer. So yeah, just to give you some scope on that. Yeah, so A A A H N. What is that? Yeah. A H M's the one of the they one of the private health policy yeah. providers. Yeah. Okay. Medibank. So it's just another Medibank business that's also yeah, a, it is subsidiary. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So, so and also to put it in perspective, just I've uh, got the producer to jump in the background and look at uh, the stock price of Medibank Private down 20% or $1.7 billion hit to the value of the company um, as of six days ago. It hasn't recovered. Stocks were at about $3.50, $3.55, down to $2.85. So, yeah, a nearly 20% dump on the company due to this cyber breach. We're just under attack in Australia at the moment, so they must see some opportunity here. And that, And that's the thing. It's like the hackers are always in front of the you know, the cyber people, really, the cyber security people, because that's how they update their um, products and services, right? So it's always pressure tested by the hackers, which is always disconcerting, but there seems to be a direct attack on Australia for whatever reason at the moment, whether there's just opportunity that sits here and we're under under utilising our cyber security, but uh, certainly seems to be targeted at the moment. Uh, Nick, what do you think from a business level? Because we worry about this all the time. Yeah, we do. And I think from a business level, it, it is just part of doing business now. So we've, um, we, spoke, we spoke prior to this podcast about HR and, you know, HR is something that we outsource now and it's now part of, your, uh, part of our uh, expense line. And I think, I think cyber is as well. Well, it definitely is for us, but I think it needs to be for everyone now. Um, and it's not just people like us that hold important data because like you, Jace, we, we, we hold extremely important and valuable data on, on our clients. So uh, for us to be a responsible business, we need to make sure that we're doing the right things just like Optus sh- um, should have been. And I'm sure we'd, we'd, we're trying to and also Medibank. So for us, it's, um, it's something that we have to invest in every year and continuing to invest and not stay still um, in 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 that uh, in in that area so so we have an IT support group who supports us um, that takes care of printing all of our laptops all of um, uh, all of our uh, networks and and whatnot but I think a lot of businesses out there would think that that's enough and that that I if, if they go through an IT business, that means everything's okay. <clears throat> it's not okay. Um, generally, I, these IT support businesses are purely there to to make sure that you can get up and running, not look at security. So for us, we've, we have another um, specialist um, that we pay a monthly retainer to that actually manage our 
ongoing cybersecurity. Um, that business is called Red, Red Piranha, and they have been great. So they sit across the top of our IT of our IT service provider, um, purely working on um, data security um, and cyber. So, and not just making sure that our systems are watertight. What are the processes in our business? Um, how are, how are we training our staff? How are we testing our staff to make sure that they're aware of what a cyber attack might look like? So yeah, so. I think as a business, it's particularly if you're holding client data, it's now irresponsible um, to not be uh, investing in this ongoing. And I say investing because the cost um, of being hacked is probably far more than what you're investing. So yeah, I think most that, businesses need to think about you, it. Oh, there so you go. The, yep. the, the average cost of a business after a cybercrime attack, the average cost that, that, that a business is hit with $276,323, and that's from infrastructure.gov.au on the cost of cybercrime in Australia on businesses. So you can imagine, and then the total cost to the economy of self-reported losses due to cybercrime was $33 billion in the 2021 financial year. That's huge. It's phenomenal. So, and look, Nick, I, I love the the measures that you've taken to, to put something in place. Um, we, we haven't got a separate IT provider that does it, but just, just our current provider, um, our good friend Sebastian at SSDL, um, been been a client of ours for, for since Greg and I started the business. And, and you know, it every year it, it kind of, increases what we need to do because of how like much more sophisticated the hackers are getting so i think i guess if you think back to four or five years ago if you're still doing the same thing you're doing four or five years ago when it comes to your it and or cyber security and you need to look at them differently it isn't just like your, your usernames and passwords like you've got to actually think of cyber security as its own separate thing in relation to that and I agree, like I love when I get the report each month that says, so they run attacks on our business, like fake attacks, like phishing scams and different things. They email our staff. And then we, as business owners, we get a report back that says, hey, this is how many people opened the email. This is how many people clicked the link. This is the people that punched in to change their password or to do something silly. Now that's only happened maybe two or three times in a couple of years. And those people then go into training of how to avoid that happening again, because they may have actually gone all the way to do it, but because they got to the page, we want to make sure that the training continues to upskill our, especially our younger team members that just come on and like real life stories of how easy it is. I mean, the, the average cost of 276,000, there's real examples that our, we come across with our clients and ourselves. We had a, team member a few years ago that got an email from one of the directors that said, Hey, I, I urgently need a favor. Can you help? And she was, she was new. She wanted to impress. She went, yep. Yep. No worries. How can I help? He goes, Oh, I'm, I'm out. I'm out at lunch with a client and I forgot to get them a Christmas present. This is around December. So, you know, all checked out. Can you duck down to the post office and get three $300 Google gift cards? And I need the, the, the coupon voucher so I can give it to them in a card. Cool. All sounds like it checks out. She runs down, couldn't contact admin for for the work credit card. So she used her own credit card, bought the three $300 gift cards, cost of 900 bucks, rushed back, started scratching the, the back to get the, the, the codes and the pin and then went, oh, wait a minute. I've rushed into this and haven't really thought this through. Gone back and check where the actual email came from and it wasn't 
the director's email address. So it's something that easy that, that can happen. I mean, it doesn't have to be hundreds of thousands of dollars. It can be the small amounts that add up as well. So you just really need to be on your toes and look out for these things and educate. Educate your people of what to look out for as well. A hundred percent. And I think the other thing to mention um, is... Like you, you can actually get insurance for this stuff as well, and mm. we um, we've we've found this out ourselves. And actually, we're going through the process um, to, to to try and get some sorted for ourselves. But you can get cyber security or cyber attack insurance as a business owner, and you know it doesn't beat having the 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 systems and the processes in place to to not be hacked. But there is there is cyber insurance. Um, it will vary. Uh, as in the cost will vary depending on your business and, and the risk as all insurance does. So that's something else for business owners um, to look at as well. But um, what are your thoughts, Marty, as, as someone who's possibly got some information floating out there somewhere at the moment? <laughs> so oh, I'm just watching my account. I've lost another 10,000, so I'm uh, very edgy. <laughs> so no, I think, I think you're making some great points. And I think the other thing we have to recognise, we, we do have to definitely educate our team all the time, but we also have to educate clients as well because these hackers are very good at uh, getting in and trying to duplicate team members as well. Mm. So you have to educate clients as to you know how you want them to respond to you effectively um, and what to look out for. I think that's... Um, that's just going to be good business practice moving into the future. And I think clients are going to demand it. They're going to ask a lot more uh, what, what's your cyber protection around your business as well. So I think you can look at it from a proactive standpoint. Yes, you get your insurances. Yes, you get your strategy and services into play around cyber. But you also, you know, you also need to be utilising that as a proactive tool in your business. And gone are the days where, you know, five years ago, you got, you got your anti-Norton virus and, and uh, yeah, stuff like that. People sort of had it as a nice to have, but never thought about it as like Nick said, this has to be a strategy in your business both defensively and proactively moving forward. You have to put it in as a cost because this is what good business is going to look like in regards to making sure your clients are safe, your team members are safe, and ultimately your business is safe as well. So I think, um, yeah, some real food for thought today, lads. Marty, I really like what you said there around educating your clients because um, we had an issue a couple of years ago in our business where we weren't actually hacked. Um, One of our clients emails was hacked and and I hear a lot of stories about people losing money and this is generally how it happens it's not it's not the business um, one of our clients was hacked um, mm. the 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 hacker or uh, whoever was um, controlling it could see that the person was paying the bank um, money for deposits and, and, and whatnot in order to get a loan that's pretty much how it worked um, so the client's email was hacked um, the client uh, the the hacker saw that the client had been dealing with a bank um, or in this actual circumstance it was a conveyancer and actually went in and mimicked the the conveyancer, created an email address that was very similar to the conveyancers um, and this has happened as I said to one of our clients um, as well and the client transferred money off the instructions of who they thought were the conveyancer. So that's a circumstance and we've had one of our clients also trans, uh, attempt to transfer money um, for someone pretending to be, to be us. Now, we weren't hacked at all. They were actually hacked and mm. that hacker had access to their emails so they could see that if they mimicked us, 
um, or the other example, if they mimic the conveyancer, they could coach the people into maybe transferring some money. So you need to educate your clients at the same time that, hey, we're not ever going to ask you to transfer money over an email. We're going to give you a phone call. Or if you ever get an email that looks like us, it says transfer money, pick the phone up Mm -hmm. because it might not be us. And it's probably not us that have been hacked. It's probably you. And someone's just gone through your emails and um, and worked out what they need to do. So it's a really important point that you're you're educating your clients. You've got something that's going to your clients consistently um, around, you know, not paying payments that are instructed by us uh, unless we bring you. And, and yep. you might say you'd never do it, but the sophistication of these types of emails are very, very good. Like even myself, I've had to double check on emails coming from banks, you know, personally. And you go, oh, that, actually, that, that actually reads very logistically as something that they would do. And, and of course, you double read it and you go, oh, yeah, you can pull it, pull it apart pretty quickly. But to the everyday consumer, it's, um, if you have to pull it apart as a finance professional, then they're really out in the open waters and uh, they can drown very quickly. So, yeah, again, if you're unsure and you feel unsteady, pick up the phone, talk to the people you need to talk to and get confirmation. Don't transfer money off the back of just a digital instruction. Really yeah. important. A big one that'll help resolve that and, you know, getting getting onto trends early and, and adopting things early uh, as we do at Future Advisory uh, is e-invoicing. So in places like Singapore and around the world, like where it's been mandated, e-invoicing with B2B is the digital transfer of one invoice from one business to another through their accounting software. Um, it's on a basically a data chain that, that is closed and secure. So let's say um, Innovate's on zero and Future's on zero. If I send you guys an invoice, I don't send it as a PDF through an email. It's going to be zero to zero where e-invoicing means that invoice is going to pop up inside your zero accounting system for you to then approve and and pay. Um, So what the Australian government's doing at the moment is they've mandated e-invoicing for government agencies. So any government agencies that are dealing with each other have to do it through e-invoicing at the moment. I think that came in July 2022 this year. Um, And then like what will happen is they'll eventually start to trickle that down to not just government agencies. It'll start with, you know, the big businesses, probably the top 200 ASX will have to start doing e-invoicing. And then that'll start to push it down the ranks because the more people that turn on e-invoicing, obviously then the more likelihood that you're dealing with another business that can receive the invoice electronically without it going through emails or um, through a system that might be hacked. I mean, you know, if I was to generate an email out of zero and, and email it to you guys, it's still something that can be um, copied or manipulated on your end from an email point of view saying, hey, pay to this BNB, BSB and account number or click the pay now button and it takes you to a fake payment gateway. Whereas through zero to zero, which now they've turned on two-factor authentication, which you have to do every single day. Every single day, you have to do your sec two-factor authentication, which, you know, about a month or two ago, pre the Optus and Medibank hacks, you could authenticate once and click remember me for 30 days. And it means you're, if somebody gets hold of your laptop or, or a hacker gets into your laptop, they could go into your zero account, see your bank details, send a bunch of invoices to people. Now, though, every single day that's going to not be able to be accessed because you're going to have to refresh and go again. So, okay, I've noticed that. 
Do you yeah. think off the back of uh, what you're just talking there that a lot of hackers hold a lot of crypto? Because that uh, that sounds like the foundation piece for the future for crypto, right? And, and like I've talked about in previous mm. episodes, I saw crypto as this very similar to the tech wreck going back in 2000. And then you come through that stage and everything, you know, particularly if crypto gets regulated um, you know, in, in the general market, um, that that what you just said there could be the future, the starting point of the future um, in crypto. So, yeah, very interesting. Well, guys, wrapping up this episode, I think for all the listeners out there, um, be vigilant, be on top of your cybersecurity kind of, um, you know, awareness. Just just be cyber aware, I think, is the message we're out there today. And if you don't have a cybersecurity plan, which is separate to your email management, your password management, start to look into that and turn on two-factor authentication, get your e-invoicing software up and running, and uh, let's help Australia become a more cyber-safe place. And if you do get into my AHM account, I will find you. I will hunt you down and I will find you. Game over, lads. 